Hi, Bridgewater. We're coming off a year in which we got to watch God work in incredible ways. 2023 brought so many opportunities to get involved in what God was doing, and we were able to capitalize on so many of them. If you want to rehearse some of what we watched God do in 2023, you can check out that message at bridgewater.church messages. One thing is clear coming off of 2023, and that is that God has given us so many blessings and entrusted us with so many resources. Let me zoom in and name a few of the blessings and resources he's given us this past year. We saw 91 people respond to the gospel message and make the decision to trust Jesus as forgiver and leader. We got to baptize 117 people, and we got to hear their stories of how God changed their lives. He's allowed us to invest in and influence 1,281 individual kids who attended Bridgewater Church in 2023. He's given us financial resources. We finished the year on target financially, and God's people at Bridgewater brought in over 2.6 million dollars. We even saw over $300,000 given in Vision 2023 offerings. He's allowed us to have an impact on so many people. We averaged 1,898 people in attendance last year. On top of that, many of you took your next steps of faith and grew in your relationship with God. Now, allow me to zoom out and talk about the big picture things God has entrusted to us. He has uniquely positioned us to be a blessing to those in need both here and around the world. He's given us influence in our communities and beyond, and we've been entrusted with the most important message in the world. Though we are great sinners, Jesus is a great Savior. It is this truth that changes lives and this truth that fuels our growth to become more like Jesus. But what do we do with all those blessings and resources? How should we respond to all of it? Just celebrate and enjoy it? Relish the fact that God has changed our lives? Come together in weekend services to celebrate God rescuing us from sin and then meet in small groups during the week to learn more about his word? Yeah, maybe. But is there more? Is there something more we should be doing? In other words, what should we do with all that we've been given? To answer that question, I want you to consider this $100 bill. Financial expert Dave Ramsey says that $100 a month invested from age 25 to 65 becomes $1,176,000. Now, some would argue based on interest rates and investment types that the more realistic amount is like $650,000. But the point is, when you invest it, it grows. What you have, you invest. If it's not invested, it will never be anything more than what it is. And at Bridgewater, we're not interested in just holding on to the $100. We want it to become more than it is because that's the kind of wisdom and work that Jesus is looking for in his followers. Now our mission is clear, making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. But I want to talk about our vision, the vision of what we want to see happen as we invest the resources God has given us. So I want to look at some words Jesus said. And while there are a number of things Jesus said that motivate us, this year, the words Jesus speaks in Matthew 25 are ringing in our ears. Here's what he said in Matthew 25, 29. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, last week, we concluded our final countdown series, looking at what it takes to live ready for Jesus' return. And here in Matthew 25, in a parable designed to help his followers be ready for his return, Jesus makes an interesting point. 
he uses the illustration of a man who had three servants. The man gives five talents to his first servant, two talents to the next, and one talent to the third. Now, the first two servants saw a 100% return on their investment. The third servant didn't invest his talent, but buried it and had no chance of seeing it grow. The man ultimately took this talent away from him and gave it to the one who would invest it. The point is simply that being ready for Jesus' return involves more than playing it safe and simply holding on to what you've been given. It demands the kind of investment that produces results, and this pleases God. You see, 85% of churches in the United States of America that believe in Jesus and preach his word are declining. It means they're not reaching people, and we do not want to find ourselves in that number. Just in 2019 alone, 4,500 Protestant churches in North America closed their doors for good, while only 3,000 Protestant churches were started. That's a deficit of 1,500 churches. So this is why we think God is not done with us yet. In light of all he's blessed us with and entrusted to us, we expect to see a great return on our investment. We refuse to bury what we've been given in the sand, and we desire to invest in people's lives. And if we do, we believe we'll see evidence of that investment growing in specific areas. And I want to share with you what we're asking God to do with the investment we're making this year. This is the kind of return we're praying God gives us. Let me show you our goals for 2024 and invite you to join us in pursuing them. First, we're asking God to use us to save 100 people. This means we're faithfully committing to share the gospel of Jesus personally and through our ministries and weekend services. We're also praying uh, that we'd be effective at coming alongside you to better equip you to share Jesus with the people you know. I'm urging you to consider how you can become more involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus with people. Second, we want to see 125 people take the next step of baptism. This means we're going to be urging people to take this next step after trusting in Jesus as their forgiver and leader. Wouldn't you want the privilege of having the kind of spiritual influence on someone's life where they choose you to be the one who helps them take that next step? Or maybe you've trusted in Jesus as your forgiver and leader, but haven't yet taken this step to be baptized. This is your year. Third, we want to grow in generosity and see our general fund giving increase by 10%. We think you're missing out on being a part of what God is doing through Bridgewater if you haven't yet joined us in giving back to God. God has been so generous towards us, so this is what we do. This also means that your church leadership is committed to directing the funds to meaningful and worthwhile endeavors that make a difference in people's lives. How can you take a next step in trusting God with your finances this year? Every contribution you make makes you a part of all God may do. And we don't decide what God accomplishes with what we give. We just decide what we give. And in light of all God has done for us, we're excited to trust him with our finances. Fourth, we want to see weekend service attendance increase by 15%. Did you know that over the last decade, our church has grown by 14.8% each year? And last year alone, we grew by 18.3%. This means you are doing the work of praying, investing, and inviting. That is praying for, investing in, and inviting the people you know to join you in coming to Bridgewater. We love to partner with you in helping you reach the people you know. We've worked to make our services accessible and relevant as we strive to communicate God's word clearly and accurately. But we only reach this goal if every one of us is a minister where we live every day. So we want to help you grow where you're planted. 
We want to come alongside you, helping you more effectively reach the people in your world, workplace, and community. This means we're going to double down on helping you invite people to join us in coming to Bridgewater services, small groups, and events. If God is working here, why wouldn't we want the people we know to experience it and be a part of it? So we're going to prioritize serving our communities and coming together for worship. Remember that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Okay, last ones here, and, and they're tied together. We're asking God to help us multiply people who serve within Bridgewater, growing our volunteer base by 100 people. And along with that, we're asking God to multiply our reach by launching another service, gathering, or campus. This means we're working to develop more volunteers for roles in the church, to see a new community reach, to influence a new school district, to see more lives changed. Did you know that since the launching uh, back on October 22nd, we have seen four people trust in Jesus as their forgiver and leader in our Hancock community gathering? You see, we have a vision beyond the walls of our current facilities and beyond the boundaries of our communities. We think Jesus was serious when he said, to whom much is given, much will be required. So in light of all the people and material resources he has given us, there are investments to make. And again, we're talking about vision, a vision for people in your life who don't know Jesus to become followers of Jesus. A vision for those in your workplace to lean in, to hear what you have to say because you live out your faith in such a winsome and attractive way. A vision to have a vibrant, growing community of faith in communities where it's lacking. A vision to creatively participate in what God is doing in the world. A vision to ask and expect big things of God while we innovate and take risks. A vision to see exponentially more people jumping in to become a part of what God is doing among us by serving, giving, praying, investing, and inviting. The question that remains is, do you want to be a part of that kind of investment? Why not join us? Now, what will all this mean and how will this look at your Bridgewater location? You'll hear next about the specific opportunities that lay ahead for you to join in what God is doing at Bridgewater and how you can make an eternal investment in 2024. Good morning. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater. Welcome to Bridgewater Tunkanic. Thank you, Josh, for sharing with us this morning. And I just, as we got started this morning, I just wanted to share um, about, as Josh mentioned, behind me is a picture of the Hancock gathering. Now, there, back in October, they launched. Now, that developed out of two small groups that were located in Hancock that said, we're going all the way to Halstead campus, but we want to reach people in our backyard. So we want to see a Bridgewater presence here in Hancock. And as a result of that, they launched in October, and there's been four people that have made decisions for Jesus Christ in Hancock since then. And that is just awesome to hear, because that's the people in Hancock reaching, the, uh, reaching their own in their backyard. And that's just so exciting to see and to hear what God is doing there. And we're going to continue to talk about what God's doing here at Bridgewater Tunkanic. But as we get started this morning, I'm going to share with you a story about Joseph. Joseph was a, had many brothers. 
and his grandfather was Abraham. Abraham was told by God that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. And so Abraham had a son Isaac and then a son Jacob, right? And if you read in the old King James, you might read Abraham begat Isaac and then Abraham begat Jacob. And, uh, but just to say they had kids. And um, so there was Isaac and then there was Jacob and then God renamed Jacob Israel. And these 12 children of Israel became the 12 tribes of Israel, which became the nation of Israel. And so just to give you a little background on that as we talk about Joseph. Now, Joseph was one of the 12, and he was, had favor, he was favored in a big way by Jacob. Both him and, and Benjamin were. And his brothers were really jealous of that. They had a hard time with that. They were very jealous of Joseph. They did not like him. And um, especially after Joseph did this. So Joseph had a dream that the, they were all represented by bundles of hay, him and his brothers. And he said to his brothers, so I had my bundle of hay right here, and then all of your bundles of hay bowed down to my bundles of hay, to my bundle of hay, right? So as you might imagine, that they might not be too happy about that. So that only increased the jealousy and increased how upset they were about uh, Joseph. Um, and we'll talk about what ended up happening a little bit later, but I want to give you the end of the story before I get into the beginning. So what ended up happening was Joseph was put second in command in Egypt. He was put second in command in Egypt so that he could help save Jacob, save Israel, the family, from the great drought that God was causing to come, right? So I'm going to share this fictional story with you. Jacob had no idea that this drought was coming. But I'm imagining, because we make plans, don't we, in life? We make plans, we want to see those plans happen, and then they don't, right? And then we get upset about it because that's how life goes. Well, I'm going to share a, a, a fictional example of if Jacob knew that Joseph was going to end up, to, to get Joseph into Egypt, this might be his plan, all right? So, here we go. He's going to send his son Joseph to school, you know, the Egypt Bible Seminary. He's going to send him there, right? He's going to send him there to train under the best leaders, all right? And then give him the best of the best so that may make sure that he feels, never feels bad about himself. And then find him just the right woman so he won't be led astray, right? You got to, you know, watch out for that, right? So find him the right woman so he won't be led astray. And then teach him how to follow God even when times get rough, right? That, that sounds like a pretty decent plan, right? He wants him to become second in Egypt. That seems like some, some good things, right? That he's, all right, again, fictional story. But oftentimes we have a plan and we want to make that, see that plan happen. And it doesn't always go, oftentimes, doesn't always go how we would like it to go. Well, God had a plan and I don't think any of us would sign up for this plan that God had. So let's take a look at what actually happened um, to Joseph, all right? So, as I said, his brothers were jealous of him. So they were like, oh, man, let's, let's, let's kill Joseph. 
And then the oldest brother, Reuben, is like, no, 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 let's not do that. So then they decided, well, you know what, let's just sell him into slavery. So Joseph gets sold into slavery. And then he becomes a servant in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is in Egypt, and he becomes a servant in Potiphar's house. And then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife keeps pursuing him and wants him to sleep with her. And she, he's like, no, that's not going to happen. And she lies about him and says that he pursued her. And he, Joseph, gets sent to jail. And while he's in jail, he interprets a dream for the cupbearer, the king's cupbearer. And the king's cupbearer is very thankful. And he says, I'll remember you. And then um, doesn't. And then two years, two more years, he spends in jail. And then the pharaoh has a dream. And cupbearer remembers, um, oh, here, there's Joseph in jail. So he grabs Joseph from jail. Joseph interprets the dream. And the dream is there's going to be seven years of plenty. And there's going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph interprets the dreams for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, fantastic, you're going to be the second in command in all of Egypt. And so what ends up happening is that Joseph becomes second in command, and he leads the people. His family, Israel, comes to Egypt because of the famine so they don't die, and Joseph is able to provide for them. His brothers come before him, not recognizing him at first. They bow down before him, and then he forgives them for what they did. And ultimately, God uses Joseph to save the family, to save Israel. And so that's the story. Not, not really the way that we would have drawn it up, but as it says in the scriptures um, about this, it says what, God, what man intended for evil, God used for good. And so uh, continuing on, um, the, the thing about in Genesis 39 here was that the Lord was with Joseph. Genesis 30, 39, 2a. And then the next one is, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And then the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. You see, the Lord was with Joseph during all this time and Joseph didn't just turn his back on God. He didn't, he didn't just decide, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want because God has dealt me a raw deal here. He says, I'm going to continue to follow after God and trust him and do what he wants me to do. And there's an example of this. When Potiphar's wife pursues Joseph, this was his response in Genesis 39, 8 and 9. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So here's Joseph, who's essentially been dumped on, he would feel, right? And he's like, no, I, I'm not going to justify this sin. I'm going to obey God. And so God was with him throughout this entire time, and he used him in a great way. And you know, as we've been going through this process over these 
past couple years um, here in Bridgewater Tunkanic, we have seen a lot of amazing things that God has done, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But we've also experienced some frustration as we've grown because we're like, oh, well, you know, we're looking for a building, right? We want to see that happen, right? And so I'm going to share with you, go down through the ideal example here, and then what really happened, right? All right. Um, number one there, find new building and property, purchase new building, remodel new building, move into a new building, right? That sounds pretty good, right? That's simple, right? I like it when I look on that side, right? Um, that, that's, that was, that's the plan, right? And so obviously that's not how it really happened, right? Um, and so I'm going to share with you what happened and how we've walked through all this and how God has blessed us. So let's start, start off with the top on the right-hand side. Back in the fall of 2021, we had a search team that was put together because we're growing so much um, that we needed to look for a new space. Um, the following year in 2022 is when we started our third service. But in 2021, the process started. We had a search team that included Mike Kamichak, Jesse Ergot, Dr. Bixby, Adam Morrill, and myself. And we searched and searched and searched and came up with a plan, uh, potential properties, and we chose, we, and then chose a building, right? So that's how that part started. We went, then went and we voted to purchase the building. Uh, we completed a, a thorough environmental study um, there had been some concerns about the property, and so we wanted to do, be our, have our due diligence as we prayed and considered what God would have. And so we did an environmental study of the, the soil, the, the water, and the air um, to make sure everything was good there, and it, and it was. And another concern that we had was, was also that this property we were buying was um, in a floodplain. Um, and then, <laughs> and then we, we look at that, and we're like, all right, well... We have two uh, campuses right now. Um, the one is the Conklin campus. And the Conklin campus is a complete remodel. And that one exists in a floodplain. That works. Okay, that's good, right? And then Halstead campus um, was a new build. It was a new build, and that also exists, believe it or not, on the same street. Um, in the floodplain um, in Halstead. So, so it was like, okay, well, this is, you know, this has been done before. We could, you know, we could do it again. And we consulted lots of people and we decided to go ahead and move forward. And so we move forward. And the next thing we have here is many different plans were evaluated and reviewed. We went through many, many different plans um, with the engineers and everything like that to see what would be best. And then we get to a waiting permit and approval to move forward, dot, dot, dot. Okay. So there was a waiting process there, which um, many of you are familiar with. Um, and during that time, we, we uh, would meet at the new building to pray. Um, uh, some of you came along for that. That was actually some really good prayer time over there. Um, and, and throughout this process, we're asking questions. We're asking questions. We're, we're getting to the details of things, but also seeking the Lord. I don't think there's anything, okay, there's more, some things that we prayed about more, but we prayed about this a lot, okay? Um, 
to seek God's will in this. And so um, after that, we came across the 50% deal, and I shared about this uh, back a few months back, and that, that was that FEMA required that we have 50% of the value of the property be, um, we could only use 50% of the value to remodel. And so that caused an issue for us with remodeling. So uh, we divided up into remodel and um, maintenance, and we presented a plan. And we submitted the final plan. Final plan was approved. Woohoo! Right? And then um, we were excited about that. That was in the fall. And then final plan rejected. Oh. And I just, you know, it, it was, it was, it's been a frustrating process, you know? I mean, it's, it's been hard because it's like, all right, God, yes. Oh. You know, but the reality is, is God's still working in it, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. Um, and then we began this application for hardship, which was basically trying to get FEMA to drop everything, all right, which is huge, and we knew it would be long and drawn out, so we're like, all right, well, let's look into other things while that's happening, right, because we know how fast things go um, with federal government. So, um, <laughs> right, so uh, we found another building that became available, and we're like, maybe, God, maybe, and then that fell through, and so we're like, all right, okay, all right, what's, what's happening here, but the reality is, we just, we continue to trust God in the midst of it. And, and we can sit here and we can focus on the fact that things aren't going according to our plan. And, that, but doesn't that happen in life so much, right? And God's just saying, I'm with you. I'm with you in all of this. And so I want to share with you over the past two years, while this whole building process has been going on, what God has done in Suncanic, okay? Number one, we have seen 28 people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior during the time we've been looking for a building. 28 people have trusted Jesus Christ as their forgiver and leader. We've had 42 people make their next step in baptism, identifying with Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. And, and saying, I am all in for Jesus and I want you all to know about it. 42 people. We have developed, uh, I put plus here because there's probably more, but we developed 10 plus new leaders. Because you know what? It's not about myself. It's not about me. It's not about Adam. It's about the work of the ministry that the members of the church do. That is what causes a church to grow. So developing new leaders and having them minister and do the work of the ministry. So we have a 10 plus new leaders. And then there's a whole mess of things I put on here. Um, so increase community connection, be the church. We had a clothes closet and food drive at the new building. We did teacher bags, TSD wellness day, Christmas in our hometown, Halloween outreach, founders day, Tunkhannock baseball, wrestling, and soccer have had opportunity to use our new space and relationships with the community have been built and, and, and people haven't been invited to church. And as frustrating as this process has been, it's given us opportunity to build relationships with people in the community and share the love of Jesus with them. And so I'm, I'm excited to see that God is continuing to work in this way. We've also seen stories of life change. There's one, again, it's, it's, it's harder to quantify, but it's those daily conversations that we have, that we see. Somebody comes in and, be like, and it's like, man, I feel like I'm at home here. I feel like I belong. I feel like I have a purpose in life. 
and it's awesome to see. You see it in small groups. You see it in all sorts of different areas of ministry where people are deciding, I'm going to follow Jesus in my life. I'm going to share. I just heard something today about someone who wore their baptism all-in t-shirt, and they had the opportunity to share about Jesus with somebody because they wore that shirt somewhere. And, like, that's awesome to see. So stories of life change continue. And next, amazing volunteers. Like, it's not quite been one and a half years, but we've been doing three services. It was one year in September. And just the amazing volunteers that have served and given their time because that's what it's about. And it's, it's true statistically, but it's also true just in observation that when the people of the church are doing the ministry of the church, a church grows. And that's been evident here. And I wanted to thank you, volunteers, for doing what you're doing, just going after it. And, uh, seeing, and that's the reason why we're seeing more people come to know Jesus is because of the work you're doing. So thank you for that. And I just, so I just wanted to say this. Re- regardless of what has happened related to the building, just like Joseph, God is with us. God is with us. He's working and he's changing lives and that's not going to stop. We want to see, and this is our mission, more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That is the mission. That's why we're here. I'd be like, if we're not doing that, I feel like I just might as well go home. (laughs) Right? Because that is the mission to reach more people for Jesus. Because people are dying in this world. And it breaks my heart every day when I hear about it. Someone that passes away that does not know Jesus. And that's why some of these goals I'm going to share with you are pretty bold. Like, I, there's some, a lot of goals I have. I'm not going to share them all with you, but I'm going to share some here. And this first one here is 30 salvations. Josh shared 100 for all of, all of Bridgewater. And I could see God saving 30 people right here in Tunkhannock. Last year, our, our goal was 20, and we got and 16 people. It's, and again, it's not about the number. It's about these are souls whom Jesus loves. They're individuals whom Jesus loves. And I believe that we could see that happen this year. 30 salvations and 30 baptisms. People deciding to take that next step and telling everybody, I am all in for Jesus, and I want you all to know about it. And next, this one's not as exciting. Um, fix space issues. Um, temporary space. So this is a conversation that we've had. Um, man, we're growing so much. We're so packed, everything like that. But, man, we got to do something about that, right? And we're not getting in the building fast enough, right? So what are we going to do? So we've looked into some possibilities. We've looked at Tunkhannock School District. We've looked at Dietrich Theater. We're like, well, what if we do this? And then we're like, man, is that really going to help us to continue to grow? I mean, we have, we have a space where that is like our awesome kids ministry. Like, I don't know if you've ever been over there, but it is really cool, right? Um, it, it's so cool. Could, could we accomplish that in a temporary space? And so, like, I don't know about that, you know? So we've been praying about, and this is something that, I, that um, we're praying about doing, uh, combining with Montrose, and this is it right here is that we want to launch a new location at Elk Lake Springsville. You know, I get really excited about this. This is something we've talked about for some time. But what if we launched 
see, the purpose of us buying a new building and moving in was so that we can grow and then launch a new campus or new location. That, that, that was the purpose, right, to begin with. Our purpose is never to just sit and be comfortable, right? God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to continue to reach people. So launching this new location at Elk Lake Springville, you know, I think about this. We have a fantastic relationship with Tunkhannock School District. Bridgewater Tunkhannock does, right? And we, that's really a good thing. What if the people that lived in the Elk Lake Springville area decided what, we could have that kind of relationship with the Elk Lake School District, right? We could minister to them in the same way. And wouldn't that be awesome? So I, I, I encourage you to go after this and to consider it. Um, if, uh, obviously, we want whatever God wants, right? If God is working on your heart individually in this area. So launch new location in Elk Lake Springville because of this. God did not call us to multiply buildings. He called us to multiply people. He called us to reach people for him. That's the avenue that he's given for us to share the truth with others. So question is then, so what can I do today? You can pray about the Springville Elk Lake launch and considerations for that. But immediately today, what can you do? Well, outside, out in the lobby here, we have a setup of four different ministries that have needs. And these ministries have been intricate parts of reaching more and, peop more and better people, um, reaching more people for Jesus. So what can I do today? Um, be Bridgewater Kids. So you, we want to see a couple, you know, two new teachers and three new helpers, and, and as I thought through that, and then um, Janelle came in the other day, and she set up her display, and guess what? Guess how many options there are in kids' ministry? Not one or two, 14. All right? She put 14 options on that with descriptions and, and such. So maybe you can't teach kids. Okay, but maybe there's another opportunity for you to serve in kids' ministry in some way. So please check that out. And then the second one on there is Voyager. Maybe serving on Sunday morning is a really hard thing. That it's hard to do maybe on Sunday morning, but maybe during the week, you know, that would be better and you, you would have that opportunity to connect. So Voyager is on Thursday nights. And uh, I know they do something that's really cool and unique as they do a life. They have someone come in, I think it's for six weeks, and do uh, teach a life skill. So in addition to teaching, sharing about Jesus with people and about the Bible, they also teach a life skill. So that's another need that they have is someone to be teaching a life skill um, for six weeks. So really, really cool ministry. Um, guest services, you see it all the time. One of the things I say, like that we've, we've said before, is that the sermon begins in the parking lot. Is that when you go out there and guest services, you're a crossing guard or you're whatnot, you're, you're uh, the cafe or wherever you're at, you, you love on people, you smile, you shake their hand, you know, you, there are, all three services have something listed over there for guest services. So I encourage you to check it out, even if you're like, yeah, I don't know, please, please check it out. And then worship and tech, there's some needs over there that are listed as well. Um, I know everything seems to go so well on Sunday mornings in every department, but guess what? They do need help. They're amazing volunteers, but man, they'd be great to have some more, right, to serve. And so 
Um, and if you're unsure about something, there are leaders within those ministries to help to train you. And so go check that out. Um, participate in a small group. Of course, I got to say that. I'm the small groups guy. But, um, but participate in a small group. So that's where you get connected. Um, that's where you do life together with people and, uh, and can be encouraged in your walk with Jesus and to reach more people for him. And then lastly, invite someone to the relationship series. Let's stop pretending. There are invite cards out there um, in between the bathrooms. Um, so I encourage you to take as many as you want. I say I, we've never run out of them. So there's no limit to how many people you can invite. If you take them, they'll be refilled. Um, because we want people to come and to hear the hope of Jesus. Because in this world, we all need the hope of Jesus. Don't we? And so I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And we're going to talk about just continue. To, I encourage you to pray about how God would use you um, to reach more people for him in any of these things we've talked about today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this day. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for the privilege that it is to serve you. And I pray, Lord, that you would use each of us um, to reach more people for you. Um, I thank you, God, for saving me, for saving those that are here. And Lord, if there's any here that don't know you, I pray for that they would come to know you today. Uh, Lord, this is all about you. And we pray that you would be honored and glorified in all that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.